0: says I can have today I will hear the word of God I boldly declare that my mind is alert my heart is receptive my ears are open and I better not go to sleep I will never be the same in Jesus name amen father thank you for this time that we have to fellowship around your word Because your word is a lamp unto our feet, it is a light unto our path. And as we explore your word today, I thank you for lives being changed. I thank you for our faith being raised. I thank you for situations changing because our perspective of the situation is changing. Most of all, Lord, I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following your word as you have promised. And we decree that and we believe that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I decided on last week to do a different format for the next couple of Sundays at least. And here is why. I, I Sometimes as a pastor... I just want to talk to my church. You know how sometimes growing up, you have those family talks? That's kind of what this is like, but I've incorporated what I want to talk about. I've incorporated with maybe questions from you all of what you'd like to ask me. So basically, this time is going to be like a one-on-one with Pastor Evan. Whatever questions you want to ask, if they make sense, I will answer them. (laughs) Amen. And so I've asked you all to send in and email questions to me, and I've received quite a few of them, and uh, what I think I'm going to do is mix not only the questions that I've gotten already, but I think I may mix it and allow you to ask a couple of questions live as well. So just touch your neighbor and say, this is different right here. (laughs) But I believe it's going to help you. Now, before I even start out with what I want to do, because what I'm going to do is give you a... a a really mini-message on a topic that's on my heart for you, okay? And so this morning, I'm going to talk about, for probably 10 or 15 minutes, I'm going to talk about decisions from above. I'm going to talk to you and give you some principles on how to make godly decisions this year because many of you are going to find yourself in the valley of decision. And if you don't make the right decision, you make the wrong decision. And if you make wrong decisions, your life ends up being wrong, amen? Amen. All right, and, uh, but before I do that, I want to read an email that I received that I think will be a blessing to you. Uh, this particular person, in every email, I'll treat as anonymous, so that way you won't have to worry about, you know, uh, your name being broadcasted, whether, you know, because sometimes the question may come from a husband or a wife, and you're sitting with them, all right? This particular person says, for over three years, I was in debilitating pain over my entire body. Everybody say three years. They say my bones and muscles hurt so bad. it hurt to peel potatoes. It hurt to lift arms, to look at clothes for shopping. I was nearly confined to being home. However, I had to force myself to church and work, which was definite needs. I needed God, and I had to pay uh, to work to pay the bills. Throughout the years, I've gone to several doctors general, general medicine endure something. I don't know what that word is, but on the last part it says ologist, an ortho specialist, a hematologist, a rheumatologist. Notice they went to all these doctors. They say, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, whatever, and autoimmune disease after taking medication for the fibro for a month. I actually didn't feel that that was the problem, so I stopped. There was no further investigation for the autoimmune disease. I was in a lot of pain, and I was really in prayer. January 2015 or December 2014, I came to church, and Pastor Edmund said God had told him to pray for people's health. I came down front along with others, and Pastor anointed each one of us and prayed, and I was in agreement. That Monday, I went to work and said, God, it's me and you, and I believe. After much research and scrutiny, I discovered my body was not absorbing vitamins and minerals the way it should due to low hydraulic or something acid in the stomach. Therefore, my body was taking it from my bones and muscles and wherever it could to help my body function. I'm not 100%, but today I'm 85% better And I thank God that I'm being healed. They go on to say, I thank God for choosing you to lead and guide his people. There are going to be times in this church's life and history that God will move me to do something. I, I just need you to be here when he moves. Do you know God is not, he's not guaranteed to repeat himself. Amen. God don't need Jesus Christ to die on the cross no more. That was a one-time thing. I wonder what God has in store for us that's a one-time thing that we miss because we are lazy. Touch your neighbor and say, he's coming down your street. He coming, he coming. Mama, here come that man. <laughs> I want to talk briefly on uh, decisions from above because most people allow their feelings to decide God's will for their life. And Jesus could have allowed his feelings to dictate God's will for his life, but Jesus was smart enough and discerning enough to not allow how he felt to change God's will. I believe God is having to reroute a lot of Christians because we made choices based on our feelings and not based on his will. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4. This is going to be a brief mini-message, but I guarantee you'll get some nuggets out of it. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. We're talking about decisions from above because one day this year you're going to have to make some decisions for your life. And good decisions will always lead you into a good life, but bad decisions will eventually lead you into a bad life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, this is what it says. It says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Notice how it's describing the word of God, that the word is living. The word is active. The word is like it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it says the word can pierce to the division of the person's soul and spirit. In other words, he's saying the word of God is so powerful that it can divide your soul from your spirit. Now, let me tell you why that's so powerful. Because both of those parts of you are invisible. We are three-part beings. We have a body, we have a soul, and we have a spirit. Well, the soul and the spirit part of us is invisible. And because most of us, we're not mature enough to discern the difference between our soul and our spirit, the Bible has given us or God has given us a way that we can do that and it's with the Word. Notice it says the Word can divide between the soul and the spirit. It says the joints and the marrow. And then the Word can discern, watch this, the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So here's why the Word of God is so important in your life. Because... The only way you're going to be able to decipher between God's will and your will is for that Word to come in and divide, watch this now, how you feel from God's will. Now, in that verse, I want you to notice that the Word, the Word of God, is what helps us discern between soul and spirit. Therefore, the Word is about to govern or should govern our decisions, not our soul's. I'm going to say that again. The Word should govern our decisions and not our souls. Because here's the thing. God, the Bible says, He confirms His Word with signs following. He doesn't confirm your flesh. Amen. Mark chapter 16. Go to Mark 16. Go to Mark 16. We're going to close here in just a minute. I'm going to give you some principles on how to make some good decisions or godly decisions. Mark 16, look in verse 20. I think that's what it is. Uh, Godly decisions are supposed to become, listen to this, incremental and individual steps to confirm and complete God's will for our life. I'm going to say that again. Godly decisions are supposed to become incremental or step by step and individual steps to confirm and complete God's will for our lives. That's what a godly decision is supposed to do. In other words, when you get ready to make a decision, it should push you closer to the will of God for your life. Can I get an amen from the church? And now, in order for us to make godly decisions, we need to start with wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. You know, the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing or wisdom is the first thing. So the first thing that you and I need in order for us to make godly decisions is we need wisdom. Now, there are two types of wisdom. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. There are two types of wisdom. You have earthly wisdom, and then you have what I call fleshly or man's wisdom, earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. Earthly wisdom, this is wisdom that makes sense to the natural man. This is wisdom that is normally uh, wisdom that agrees with our soul and that agrees with our flesh. In other words, you know, like uh, you meet this, this guy. This guy is the, I mean, this is the best guy you'd have met in years. He got his act together. He has a job. I mean, he's, an, he's, he's even exempt. Well, he's he not paid hourly. He, he has a salary. He got his own car. It's a nice car too. It's better than your car. He makes more money than you. His credit is good. And then on top of all that, he looks good and smells good. Well, you haven't run across one like him in a long time, and you all start dating, and he begins to really like you, and you are so impressed with how he looks and what he has that you forget that any decision you make with him needs to be one of wisdom. And then he pops the question. Even though he comes to church, he loves the Lord, he pays his tithe, but he asks you that question that he shouldn't ask you, and that is, can we move in together? Touch your neighbor and say, I didn't know he was going there. (laughs) Now, earthly wisdom says, well, I could save on some bills. Man, we both, both won't have house notes. I can move in with him. We can split that down. To, I'm already saving money there. He said he would take care of all the electricity bills and the water bills and all that. And so, look, I have nothing to lose. That is earthly wisdom. But then you have godly wisdom. Say godly wisdom. Uh, go to James Uh Go to James chapter 3. Go to James chapter 3, verse 15. We'll close right here. James chapter 3, verse 15. See, uh, I know that first example doesn't sound like something that you would do, but people do it all the time. You have to understand, 60% 60 to 65% of the people that come and join Word of Truth Family Church weren't going to church before they got to us. So the way that most of us have made decisions before we got here, we made decisions based on convenience and based on our flesh. Amen. And so you see, logic kicks in when someone says, well, why don't you come live with me? Logic kicks in because in your mind you're going, well, we're already sleeping together, so what's the difference? But you shouldn't be sleeping together. Everybody say, well. (laughs) James chapter 3, look at verse 15. It says, this wisdom, it's talking about earthly wisdom, descends not from above, but is earthly, sensual. What's the next word? Devilish. Devilish. (laughs) For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil word. But the wisdom that is from above is first what? Pure then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. In other words, he's saying there's a difference between man's wisdom and God's wisdom, and man's wisdom will always be good for you. So how do you make wise decisions? Here's number one. First of all, wisdom has to be the first thing you need before you make the decision. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom needs to be the first thing. Now, how do you know the difference between godly wisdom and man's wisdom? Well, godly wisdom is going to come out of God's Word. Amen. So if the wisdom that you receive does not line up with the will of God and the Word of God, you don't want to make that decision. Can I get an amen? amen? So first thing to make a good decision, you have to have wisdom. Here's the second thing you have to have is once you get the wisdom, you need to receive the wisdom and not reject the wisdom. Because, see, many people know what to do and don't do it. Amen. So you got to receive it. And here's the only way to receive the wisdom from God is when you understand that God's way of doing things is much better than yours. Every decision that I've had to make in my life and in this church's life, the ones that I've made that were led by God, which on the church side have been 99%. It's because I trusted the wisdom God was given. See, you don't understand. God can see next week. He can see down the street. He can see around the corner. He can see in the next year. He can see five years from now. So I know that sister looks like she's the right one to marry. But what you don't know is in year five. Everybody say, well. <laughs> year five. Oh, girl, she's just going to have amnesia. Amen. So you got to get the wisdom. Once you get it, you got to receive it and not reject it. Here's the next one. If you don't, if you, once you get the wisdom of God, God will confirm his word. Uh, You can just write down the book of, I think it's in Acts, but it says that God will, He, he will confirm his word with signs following. Listen, he doesn't confirm your feelings. He confirms his word. And so God will confirm his word. And a lot of times, God uses people like your pastor to help confirm that word. See, I I found out why a lot of people don't want to meet with me because they don't want to hear what I got to say. Touch your neighbor and say, have you met with the pastor lately? No, no, no. Most people don't want to meet with the pastor because the pastor is going to say something to them that they don't want to hear. But what you don't realize is what you don't want to hear that you need to hear is going to help you hear what you need to hear. I can't say that again. (laughs) That was it. You got to get the CD on now. And I found that a lot of people, they really don't want to hear what God has to say. But see, watch this though. They measure the success in people's lives who do obey God. Let me just say this. I obey God more than I don't obey God. I don't have a choice. Well, I do have a choice, just like everybody else. But you know what? I've decided that my flesh, my flesh, there are certain things my flesh will obey God because my flesh has understood by now. My flesh is 50 years old, and over 30 years of my flesh, it has served the Lord, and it sees the benefits of serving the Lord. My flesh loves air conditioning. How many like air conditioning when it's 105 degrees outside? Absolutely, my flesh loves air conditioning. And so my flesh has no problem tithing. Because the flesh knows the benefits of tithing. The Lord's going to bless heaven. Let heaven tithe. Go on tithe, heaven. Go on tithe. My flesh my flesh tithes. My flesh is learning to tithe. My flesh don't give me no problems in tithe. My flesh don't give me no problems. Amen. God will confirm his word. And he will use, the Bible says, in the multitude of counsel, so there is safety. So if you have this bright idea or these feelings, oh, I feel God is moving me. Nobody ever comes and asks me. I had a couple. Everybody said years ago. Years ago. Man, I'm good. I'm on time. Uh, Years ago, uh, there was a couple. He was a leader here at the church, and she was tied in, and they were both, uh, you know, working in ministry, and he, he said that God told him to move to Arizona, and I said, uh, so he had already made up his mind he was going to move. He talked to his wife and, you know, God said it was, you know, we're supposed to move. And, and watch this, we'll know what we're going to do when we get there. So, you know, my thing is I'm not going to tell you what to do. I prefer you to ask me. Because if you don't ask me, I don't necessarily want to butt in your life. Now, if God tell me to tell you, I'm going to tell you. But if God don't tell me to tell you, I ain't going to butt in your life. Because you're going to, see, here's the thing. Sometimes most people learn through hard knocks. So you're never going to be like, well, I obeyed Pastor Evan and I believe I miss God because I obeyed him. Well, no, 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 no. Well, let, ask me and then I'll tell you. So this person, I had lunch with him and, and I said, hey, you know, he said, well, God told me we won't move to Arizona. I said, okay, what you going to do out there? Well, he told me when I got there, he would tell me we're going to do ministry out there. We're going to start a, a youth ministry and, and all that. I'm like, okay, and all right, and, And uh, he didn't ask me what I thought, so I didn't tell him. But when he was telling me, I had no check in my spirit. The only check I got was that he needed to check right here. (laughs) He needed to stay here, but he didn't ask me. So the time came. So I asked him, I said, is your wife in agreement with you? He says, yes, she is. I said, okay, well, God bless y'all. I can't bless you and send you because I don't think you're supposed to go. But, you know, but God bless you. They went, and some months went by. And, uh, you know, when people miss God, they don't want to tell you, so they tell other people. (laughs) We don't lost our job. The job that I thought I was going to get when I was out there, I didn't get. And the house that I got, now we live. Listen, they end up where he was the sole provider making enough money to support the whole house with her not having to work. They moved from that to being on food stamps. It got so bad that they were, they were losing everything, car, house, whole night. And the Lord told me one day, he says, I want you to move them back here. I said, I want to move them back. I do not want to move them back. They didn't ask me to move, so why should I move them back? He said, because I want you to move them back. Well, how many know I moved them back? I moved them back, and you know what? It wasn't no strings attached. They didn't have to come back to this church if they didn't want to. I obeyed God. What's my point? My point is... In the multitude of counselors' safety, when you're making major financial decisions, major life changes, you're talking about getting married, here it is, you're getting ready to be engaged and, and I ain't met nobody. You've been a member of this church five years and you engaged now? How do I not know that? Touch your neighbor and say, now he's talking to you now. I mean, somebody ought to know. Your true group leader ought to know about you. The true group leader should have met the person. Your department head should have met the person. I mean, somebody should have met this guy. Ah! Yes, son. <laughs> okay. Ooh. I'm out of time. Okay. I'm going to give you the first question. Here's the first question I got. It's kind of lengthy. and uh, uh, let me, I'm going to skip the first question. It's, it's kind of long. The first, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you three questions I have so far. You can tell me which one you want me to attack first. The first question was, how do I find my purpose? I'm living for God, but how do I find my calling and my purpose? That was the first question. Here's the second question that I have here is, are tattoos okay for Christians to have? Uh, Here's the third one. Y'all mumbled on that one. (laughs) Somebody said, it's too late. I got one now. (laughs) It's too late, God. (laughs) Here's question number three. How do you distance yourself from friends and co-workers who associate themselves with the old you? I'm ready to... O- <laughs> she said that one right there. That's the one you're going to answer right there. This person says, I'm ready, to obey, I'm ready to obey and serve God at another level and I don't want to seem rude or hurt their feelings because I can't kick it with them anymore. So question one, two, or three. Huh? Three. Everybody say three. three. No, no, no. If you say three, raise your hand. If you say three. That's all. Okay, how many say one? Raise your hand. Okay, how many say two? Raise your hand. Doggone it. The tattoo people are winning. We're going to have to go to the tattoo people. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6. Y'all need to act right now so I can finish my, my question now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and if I don't get to the questions, I'm going to get to all of them. Don't worry about it. I'm going to get to them. Even if I have to do this, are y'all okay with me doing this this way? Okay, because there are some things that you'll get out of this that you might not get in a sermon that I'm just teaching. And, you know, it's all good. And if this is your first time coming, I can really teach the Word. <laughs> I mean, I really, come on, y'all, can't I? I can I can teach the Word. <laughs> so just keep coming back. Just keep coming. You, you'll get something. Okay, are tattoos okay for Christians to have? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 12. This is what it says. Paul said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. He says, all things are lawful for me, but I would not be brought under the power of any. Let me just say what that says. He's saying, you know what? I can really do anything I want to do, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to be brought under the power of anything. Amen. Then he goes on to say in verse 13, Meats are for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both of them. Now, watch this now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God has raised both uh, have both raised up the Lord and will also raise us by his own power. Verse 15, Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know you not that he which joins himself to a harlot is of one body? For two shall said he shall be one flesh, but he that joins unto the Lord is of one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without his body, but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. What? Know you not, listen to this now, that your body is the what? Temple of the Holy Ghost, which is where? in you which you have of God and you are not your own. Watch this now. For you are bought with a price. Read it with me. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Now if you notice the focus of that whole verse in the context was really about what's going on in your body. Not necessarily what's going on on your body. Because God is more concerned about what goes in your body and in your spirit more than He is on your body. Now go to Matthew 23, because see, some of you all who are very religious are going to have a problem with the answer to my question. Matthew chapter 23, look in verse 25. Watch what Jesus said to the Pharisees and the scribes. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you make clean the outside of the cup. I ain't got no tattoos. But within you are full of extortion and excess. And I'm going to add this one and judgment. Yeah. Verse 26 You blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and the platter that the outside of them may also be clean. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites here at Word of Truth Family Church. (laughs) I'm just playing calm down. Just calm down. Somebody's saying, just get to the point, preacher. Watch what he says. Woe unto you scribes, Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are like unto witted sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful on the outside, but are within full of dead man's bones and full of all uncleanness. Verse 28, even so you also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. God is more concerned about what is going on on the inside of you than what you put on the outside of you. So let me just let me just answer the question. Here's the here's the process that I want you to go through. If you if you ask the question about the tattoo, uh evidently you probably don't have one. So, the first question is, why do you want one? Because it really doesn't have any spiritual value. Boy it got quiet. See that? has no spiritual value. I mean, mean, well, you say, well, I'm going to put a cross on there. That's fine. You can make it spiritual, but I'm just saying there's no spiritual value to having a tattoo. Amen. Amen. Here's the question. Will it offend or cause someone that you know to stumble in their faith? If you got one, will it bother them? You say, well, pastor, I'm going to put it somewhere where they don't see it. Well, that's fine if that's what you're going to do. But will it cause somebody to be offended? Amen. And then here's the last thing. Do you have peace about doing it? Because here, I'm going back to what Paul said. Paul said, look, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. In other words, I know, I know I can biblically drink. I know that. See, there are certain areas in the Bible that are gray. The Bible don't say don't drink. No, it doesn't. Amen. And And, and personally, I, I believe that Jesus made water into wine. I think he drunk some. Somebody had to taste it to make sure it was right. That's just my opinion. But see, drinking and being drunk are two different things. See, I don't think Jesus would be sipping on gin and juice. Amen. Do you have peace about it Because just because you can? So although I know I can drink. And it would probably offend some of you also. I would drink at home. But guess what? I have decided, as for me in my house, we don't drink. All I drink is Coca-Cola and water every now and then. (laughs) Amen. I don't drink for two reasons. Number one, I don't like it. But number two, I don't want to offend nobody. I don't want somebody to stop coming to church because something I did offended them. That I had a choice to do or not do. So guess what? He says, if meat offends your brother, don't eat it. So if you want to get a tattoo, there is no scripture that says you can't. Amen. Do you have peace on the inside? And if so, if you're gonna get one, please don't get some, don't get something silly. When you get old, don't put Tyrone on there. Don't put Tyrone. If you're not married to Tyrone, let me just give some advice. Don't put nobody's name on your body if you're not married to them. I mean, what you going to do with Tyrone's name when you marry Bubba? What you going to do? What you going to do? Man, I tell you. Okay. So did y'all get the answer to that question? All right. Question number one, how do I find my purpose? I'm living for God. But how do I find my calling and my purpose? And then number three, how do you distance yourself from friends and co-workers who associate themselves with the old you? I'm ready to obey God and serve him at the next level. Which one do y'all want now? Okay, we're going with three. Go to First Corinthians chapter 5. First Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to go to number three. We're going to answer this question. How do you deal with folks that don't want to respect the fact you saved now? Or, you've made a new leaf in life. 2015, you were at the club with them. 2016, you've decided not to go anymore. So they're going to be like, wait a minute, we just, we closed the year out together. How, how you just going, to wait a minute now. No, that happened to me. Listen. I didn't know what being saved was and finally I got the gospel preached to be where I understood and I was like, you know what, when I get home, I, I was at prayer view, I said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get saved. I went to the Presbyterian Church then, Glendale Presbyterian Church, right over there, over Marcellus over, uh, in, in South Dallas or Cliff, and uh i went and knocked on the preacher's office that morning i said hey uh mark i i, I want to accept i want to get saved today he said oh you want to make jesus christ the lord of your life i was like yeah he says okay after my sermon or after my talk they didn't really call it a sermon he says after my talk i'm gonna call you up and just ask you some questions i was like cool and i was thinking to myself i have never seen anybody in this church do this <laughs> so after his talk He called me up. There's a young man here today who wants to make Jesus Christ the Lord of his life. Come on up here, Evan. And I walked up to the front. He says, Evan, I want to ask you some questions. I said, yes. He said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? I said, yes. He said, do you believe that Jesus died uh, uh, for your sins? I said, yeah. He said, do you believe that God raised him from the dead? I said, yeah. He says, well, based on the confession of your faith, you're saved. The person that walked up to that, that, that front was a different person that walked back. He didn't tell me what was going to happen to me. He didn't tell me my life was going to change. He didn't tell me the things that I used to do, I ain't going to want to do no more. Even And then he didn't tell me that some of the things that I like doing, I'm going to still want to do. But eventually, though, I'm going to not like doing them no more. He didn't tell me none of that. So I got saved, and it was homecoming that following week at Prayer View A&M University. Being saved and prayer view does not mix. So I went, and boy, the first thing, as soon as I walked in my room, my roommate said, Evan, I got something for you. I said, what is it? He said, come here. Now, we had what we call sweet mates. We had a bathroom in between two rooms, and we shared the restroom. He took me to the restroom, and he had lines of cocaine lined up, and he handed me a $100 bill, For me to sniff it with. Evan, man, you got to get this. This is some good stuff. This is that stuff you was asking me to get. I got it. And this is what happened. I said, man, I can't do that. He said, what? What's going on? I said, man, I got saved this weekend. What is that? You got saved from a car wreck? What? I said, like, "Man, I got saved. I let Jesus in my heart. Jesus in my heart too. But man, we need to get this." I said, "Randy, man, I can't do it. Man, I can't do it now." I wanted to do it. My flesh did, but my spirit was like, "You don't want to do that." So how do you fix this? First Corinthians five. We're out of time, uh, class. We're out of time. But I'm gonna. Can I finish this? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, look at verse 9. looks like I'm going to only be able to do one doggone question a Sunday. I guess I'm going to have to leave it like that. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. It says, I wrote you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetouses or extortioners or with idolaters, for then you must needs go out of the world. He says, but now I've written unto you not to keep company if a man that is called a brother be a fornicator or a covetous or a idolater or a realer or drunkard or extortioner uh, with such a one don't even eat with. For what, watch this now, for what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not judge them, uh, do not you judge them that are within, verse 13, but them that are without God judges. Therefore, put away from among you the wicked person. Now, I'm, a, I'm reading this in a different version here, all right? Watch this now. He says, I have written unto you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and the swindlers and the idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. But now I'm writing to you that you not associate yourself with one who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those who are outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, but expel the wicked man from among you. Now you say, Pastor, why did you read that? Here's the answer to the question of how to deal with folks who still want to relate you to the old you. The way you remove, watch this now, the way you remove darkness is to cut on the light. So how many had roaches growing up? Anybody have roaches growing up? Man, we never had roaches. And one of my cousins came and lived with us one time. And I didn't realize, I didn't know that roaches, they, 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 they migrate with, with the people. And my cousin had roaches at her apartment. And so she came and stored some of her furniture in our house. Mom, I don't know if y'all remember this. And the roaches came and we had roaches for the first time. One thing that I noticed about roaches is when the lights are off, they mingle. Just like the freaks come out at night. The roaches come out at night. But as soon as you cut that light on, what happens? How you know? Thought you didn't have no roaches. Soon as you cut that light on, man, those roaches. Well, that's what happens when you cut your light on. Darkness flees. The scripture says, let your light so shine before men so they can see your good works and glorify God which is in heaven. You don't run from folks who are not saved. You let your light shine. Now, now, let me give you this. Let me give you this. And then we got I got to go to my membership class. So first of all, the first thing you're going to do is that you're going to let your light shine. And then number two, the second thing you're going to do, you're going to either refuse or remove. Now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33, this is what it says. It says, be not deceived, evil communication corrupt good manners. If you are just starting out and you're ready to now live at this next level, you're going to have to remove yourself from them. You're not ready. See, you're not immune to cussing yet, so you got to remove yourself from that. See, there are certain friends and people I stopped hanging around because I couldn't handle it. So, yes, remove. So now, how do you say, well, Pastor, how do I do it? It's easy. First, you let your light shine. They're going to see that because now you're reading your Bible when you used to be listening to K104. Then they get in the car with you, and you got on your Christian station. You don't have on, you know, Sir Bump a lot. You don't have that on. <laughs> so now they're already sensing it's something that's different. Then they ask you that magnificent question. Girl, let's go out tonight. You say, well, girl, I'm going to Bible study. I go in the true group. True group, what is that? It's Bible study for my church. Oh, so, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, uh, uh. listen. Number one, you, re- you refuse or you reject. Basically, you, you just remove yourself from that. And then once you remove yourself, you just need to pray and say, God, give me strong, thick skin because that's all they can do. They can talk about you, but they can't do nothing about you. They talked about Jesus. They're going to talk about you. Let them talk about you. Oh, so you. oh, so you that saved now. Oh, so you can't hang around us. Don't even answer them. Here's the last thing. You're going to pray that God will remove them from your life. Just pray and say, Lord, if they're not ready to change, remove them from my life in Jesus' name. Remove them, God. And once you remove yourself, you don't have to be that religious person that can't even talk regular English. You going to lunch today, girl? Praise the Lord, girl. I don't know. I'm going to fast and praise the Lord. I I just know, praise the Lord, that God is good in my life and I'm just, I mean, he's so good to me. You got to be able to have a regular conversation now. Don't do that. Don't do that. See, that's what the problem that people have. You went from cussing to, praise the Lord, he's so good. Oh, he's so awesome in my life. God is so good. Oh, praise the Lord. He's wonderful. Hallelujah. He's good. No, you can't go from cussing to that. Just be regular. God is good. He's good in my life. And if they pull you out on the carpet, just say, girl, I'm trying to grow. Man, I'm trying to grow. And you know what? I want to challenge you to grow with me. Why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? Listen, if every time you're going to invite them to church, they're going to stop talking to you. (laughs) If every time you end the talk with an altar call. They ain't going to want to be talking to you. And you know what? They're going to slowly leave your life. When they do, keep them out. Because what's going to happen, it gets lonely at the top. So now you're going to be like, well, Lord, I ain't got no friend now. And what I'm going to do, they all out of my life and I ain't got no friend. Well, just like you ask God to get rid of them, you ask God to send you some. Amen. Some of y'all need some friends right up in here. You run out, you run in here, and then you run out. No, no, no. You make some friends. Amen. So next week, I'll pick up on the question that I didn't ask, which was on purpose, and I'll add three more questions, and I didn't have time. Doggone it's 1040. I am late. The Lord is late. Uh, <laughs> bow your head real quick, real quick, all right? If you die today, and you're not 100% sure you go to heaven, I want to pray for you. Here's why. God brought you here for this moment. And if you're not 100% sure you go to heaven, you need to be because when you die, that's an eternal state and it's irreversible. Whatever state you die in, if you die in faith or if you die uh, and you end up in eternal death, if you die, that state is permanent. You can't be moved out of it. And so all I want to do, I'm only going to pray for two people. If you're here today and you're not sure you go to heaven if you die, but you want to be sure.